All right, turn to Numbers 35 and Acts chapter 2. Numbers 35 and Acts chapter 2. This is the last message in what I call a mini-series because we only took three weeks on it. And the title of it was No Fear. No Fear. In other words, how are we going to go through this life with no fear? We based this series on Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. And I know you're turning to Numbers 35 and you're putting a marker at Acts chapter 2 because we'll be there later. And I want to tell you again that I appreciate you bringing your Bibles. And let me just say this to you too. I'm about to be gone for a few weeks. I really love you and appreciate you. I, if you don't see me up here doing worship, many times I, I just stand in the back and um, watch you worship. And it blesses me to watch you worship. I'm, I'm grateful that we have the church that we have because we have a church that makes any person feel welcome and uh, makes any person uh, want to come back that maybe doesn't even go to church, a person who wasn't raised in church, can come, can accept Jesus, can grow in the Lord, yet we also bring our Bibles, we have extravagant, powerful worship, and we go deep in the life of the Holy Spirit. And, and I appreciate that about you very, very much. So, anyway... We're in this series. We base it on Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. Let me just quote it to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and the mountains be cast into the sea. Here's what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, because God is my refuge and my strength, I have no fear. It doesn't matter to me if the mountains jump in the oceans. It doesn't matter if the earth dissolves. I'm not going to have any fear because God's my refuge. And we've been talking for a couple of weeks about wrong refuges. How if we look to money to be our refuge, it ends up being a prison and a bondage. You end up serving it, working for it, uh, being worried about it, anxious, fearful. If, if sex is your refuge, it's a prison. If um, uh, all these other refuges, food, we talked about food, and we, none of us like talking about that, but we talked about food as a refuge. We talked about sports, entertainment hobbies, all of these things that can be a refuge. And I want to remind you, any refuge that you choose other than God becomes a prison. It is not an answer, it's a problem. God is our refuge and strength. And if God is your refuge, you will have no fear. Now, Numbers 35, we were here last week. We're going to read a few scriptures again. There are six cities of refuge. There were three on each side of the Jordan, two in the north, two in the central, two in the south. Any city you could get to within a half day's journey. So God put these cities, and he said something about these cities that I want to show you. And I want you to notice, we're going to read a few verses here in Numbers 35. Notice the word congregation. All right? Just watch for that word. Numbers 35, verse 24. Then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood according to these judgments. So the congregation shall deliver the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood, and the congregation shall return him to the city of refuge where he had fled. Three times, he says, let me tell you what your protection is going to be. It's going to be found in the congregation. Now, think about this. It's an amazing thing to me that God did not use the word residence. He's talking about a city. It's a, he didn't use the word inhabitants. And the people who dwell, the citizens of that city will do it. He doesn't say that. He says, and the congregation. Why would he say and the congregation? It's because everything in the Bible is applicable to us. Even the things in the Old Testament have a spiritual application for us today. 
So here's what he's saying. If you fall, if you make a mistake, if you mess up, you can find protection in the congregation. See, the Bible is about relationship. God is a God of relationship. God created Adam and Eve for relationship. He had no other reason to create them. No, he didn't need them. No reason to create Adam and Eve. The only reason he created us is to have a relationship with us. And when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment in the whole Bible? You remember what he said? He said, well, actually, there's two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and you shall love your neighbors yourself. Let me sum those up for you. Relationship with God and relationship with people. That's it. And you want me to sum those two up for you in one word? Relationship. This is a book about relationship. You want to know how much God thinks about relationship? Here's what he thinks about relationship. When he lost it, he gave his only child to get it back. That's how much God wants relationship with you. He's willing to give his only child to have a relationship with you. So, this week's message is the relationships of refuge. The way God protects us is through relationship. And listen to me. I want you to notice something about these cities. Your protection. These cities, the cities of refuge, they didn't have a wall around them. They didn't have a fence. They didn't have a, a moat. They didn't have a, um, a fire-breathing dragon. You were protected by the people. The congregation. Listen, you want to have peace and safety and protection and no fear? Get in a good congregation. You're protected. God implements refuge through His people. That's what we see in number 35. So, I can tell you that, and we can all say, yes, I agree with that. It's, all, it's found in relationship with God and relationship with people. But if I don't show you wrong replacements for a relationship, then we might not see what we need to see. So, that's what I want to show you in this message, right? Relationship is how we find refuge. But I want to show you some wrong replacements for a relationship. All right? Here's number one. Things. Things. Things cannot be a refuge for us. Things cannot replace relationship. God created Adam and Eve in a perfect environment. And He created them perfectly. They had a perfect relationship with God and they, before they sinned. And they had a perfect relationship with each other. And yet Adam and Eve, listen to this, traded paradise for a piece of fruit. A thing. Adam and Eve traded relationship with God and relationship with each other for a thing. Now, I'm glad that we're not that foolish. We would never do that, would we? But we do it all the time. We trade our wonderful relationship with God, we sacrifice it, and we sacrifice our relationship with our family and friends for a bigger house, nicer car, better clothes, all sorts of things. Things can never comfort you. And let me tell you a lie of the enemy. Listen how carefully how the enemy is worded this. I'm going to work harder and longer hours than I should so that my children can have the things that I never had growing up. So they can have a better life than I had. Whoever said that more material possessions was a better life? They don't need $120 tennis shoes, sir. They need you. That was good, by the way. You, I, just have to, I just want you to 
They don't need more money. That's not what provides a better life. A husband that loves his wife and a father that loves his kids and a mom that loves her children, that's a better life. Next time you, uh, you're feeling kind of down, just to show you things can't replace relationship, next time you're feeling a little low, I want you to try an experiment for me, all right? I want you to go in your garage and talk to your car. I want you to go give your big screen a big hug and see if it helps you any at all. God intended for us to have safety, protection, peace, and joy by having a relationship with Him and relationship with His people. That's where refuge is found. It's not found in things. Here's another wrong replacement. Isolation. Isolation. How many people do this? It's just me and God. That's all I need. I just need God. Let me tell you, the people who make those statements, they're people who have been hurt and offended. They are. They've been hurt in a relationship and they say, you know, I just don't need anybody. I just, just me and God. I just need me and God. Listen, Satan's picture of success is a person sitting in a house by himself saying, I don't need anyone and I don't trust anyone. If Satan can get you to stop trusting people, he can get you to stop trusting God. You need to hear that. If he can get you to stop trusting people, he can get you to stop trusting God. Isolation, aloneness is the worst friend you can have when you're hurting. Now, look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 tells us about the New Testament church, a wonderful, powerful church. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 43. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear, that word fear would, should better be translated awe or wonder. Awe came on upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. First of all, let me show you what they focused on. They focused on doctrine, the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Okay, now listen to this. Focusing on God's word and prayer is how you develop your relationship with God. Focusing on fellowship and the breaking of bread is how you develop your relationship with God's people. They focused on two things. The two things that Jesus said the whole Bible is built on. The whole Bible is summed up in these two things. Relationship with God and relationship with people. And then miracles happened. Now, I want to see miracles. People talk about seeing miracles and we've seen miracles in the, in, uh, since uh, on Mother's Day. We felt led to pray for ladies that were desiring to be a mother that, but couldn't get pregnant. I can't tell you, Pastor Tom standing beside me in the guest uh, central, in the last two to three weeks, I've had 10 to 15 ladies come up and say, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And they, that was on Mother's Day. And all we did was pray for God's power. Now, here's the reason I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles because I love people. You understand, I don't want to see miracles for miracles' sake. I want to see miracles because we need miracles. We're in desperate need of God's miraculous power. Would you agree with that? Okay. So the New Testament church had miracles. And we talk about, we want to see the miracles like they had. Listen very carefully. We will see their power when we follow their pattern. Let me say it again. We will see their power when we follow their pattern. And they were meeting in the temple and from house to house. They were focusing on their relationship with God and their relationship with each other. 
And that's what we've got to do. We've got to, you don't allow Satan to isolate you. Do you understand that the wolf catches the sheep that are on the fringe? He doesn't catch the sheep that's right in the middle of the flock. He catches the sheep that's always hanging around the fringe. That's the one he catches. Listen, if you're a sheep and you are, and, and you're here, but you're kind of on the fringe, if I were you, I would just go, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I get right in the middle of the flock. Get in a small group, get in class, build relationship with God's people. I'm telling you, some of you are going to go through problems and you're not going to have anybody to go through them with you because you didn't build any relationships with God's people. As a pastor, as a pastor, I'm telling you, please don't isolate yourself from the body of Christ, from a, a local body. All right, here's the third wrong re- replacement for relationship. Unrighteous relationships. See, Satan's good. He's really good. He knows that we need relationship. He knows we were created for a relationship. So what he tries to do is give us the wrong ones. See, we need a relationship with godly people. We don't need a relationship with someone who's going in the wrong direction. 1 Corinthians 5, Paul said, If there is a person that is named a believer, but he is involved in drunkenness, idolatry, or sexual immorality. This is how strongly the Bible puts it. Don't even eat with him. Now, why in the world would the Bible tell us that? Because we're trying to, to shun the person? No, two reasons. Number one, it will affect you. Number two, he'll take it as you condone his sin. And we don't condone sin. Now, we don't shun people, and we don't act holier than thou. But if a person's in sin, we ought to have the love to be able to confront that person. If a person's about to run off a cliff, you confront that person and say, Don't go off the cliff. If you've got a friend that's having an affair, you don't cover it up. You confront that person because that affair is going to ruin his life. You understand what I'm saying? We ought to be close enough in relationship. Maybe it's you getting in my face one week. Maybe it's me getting in your face. But we ought to make a covenant that we love each other enough not to let people go to hell. Not to let them ruin their lives. And so we confront people when they're in sin. And that's what he's saying here. And if you don't confront them, they're going to affect you. It affects you. Now, no one's perfect. I'm not talking about being perfect. But let me say it another way. No one's perfect, but everyone's pointed in a direction. Remember this. No one's perfect, but everyone is pointed in a direction. A few uh, months ago, I shared with you the illustration about the pen. You remember that? I said, we're all born going the wrong way. We try to go the right way. We can't do it. But God in His mercy flips us. We start going the other way. So, okay, here's the point. Let me just show you an illustration. If I'm going toward God, I'm walking toward God, I'm walking every day with God, praying, reading my Bible, going to church, getting in small groups, I'm trying to get closer to God, I am walking toward God. But there's someone else that's walking away from God. He doesn't want a relationship with God, doesn't want a relationship with God's people, doesn't want to do the right thing, doesn't want to uh, uh, live the right way. He's going this way. Okay, listen. For me to have a relationship with that person and walk with him for a while, I'll have to walk backward. Because he's going this way. I'm going that way. Or he'll have to turn around. So here's the point. I can't find perfect friends. I can't find perfect friends for my kids. But I can determine which direction you're pointed. 
And if you're pointed toward God, I don't care how young you are in the Lord or how immature or if you just got saved, as long as you're pointed that way, we can be friends. But if you're pointed that way, I can't be a friend with you. I can't have a relationship with you. I can try to help you if you want to turn around and go this way, but I'm not going backward away from God. To walk. Are you all following me? It's a very clear illustration, isn't it? Uh, let me put it, we talked about book, people who say they're believers, but they're walking in sin. What about unbelievers? 2 Corinthians 6.14 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? Here's the same thing. He's saying don't, don't, don't form a close relationship with a person that doesn't love God, doesn't want to serve God, doesn't want to walk with God. Now, that doesn't mean don't be light and salt. Doesn't mean don't be a witness. But what it means is, we pull them into our group, we don't let them pull us into their group. When they invite us out to the bar after work, we invite them to a small group. <laughs> we say, we got a better place than a bar. we got a place where we study the Bible and where we apply it to our lives today, and it's helped me in my marriage, and it's helped me in my family, and it'll help you because I know you're going through some difficulties right now too. So there's a difference between developing a close association and running around and trying to fit in. Here's what the devil does. He says, man, you need relationships, and this guy's funny, and he's fun to be with, and you need to, you, you need relationship, so you need to develop a close relationship with him. No, you need to develop a close relationship with God and his people, and you need to be light and salt to him. This is a great sermon. I'm telling you. I just... I'm having fun up here. Okay. Now, this one's going to shock you. This is the fourth. This is the fourth, number four wrong replacement for relationship. Religion. Religion is a replacement for relationship. Now, this might shock you, but there was no religion in the Garden of Eden. There was no religion, no rules, no regulations, no rituals, no form. There were no statues that they were supposed to pray to. There was just God and Adam and Eve. God created them for relationship. Listen to me. God created you for relationship. Religion is about fulfilling requirements. Listen carefully. Religion is fulfilling requirements so you don't have to deal with your heart. That's what religion is. Religion is if I fulfill these requirements, I don't have to change in here. That's, what, that's exactly what Jesus got on the Pharisees about. That's exactly what he said. He said, you, you, you guys fulfill all these requirements, but you neglect the works of the, the matters of the heart. You, you, you guys are like a, a cemetery. You look real pretty and the grass is all clean and on the outside, but there's dead men's bones on the inside. You, you guys uh, are like a, a, a cup that uh, on the outside it's real clean, on the inside it's real dirty. No one would want to drink out of it. Okay, that's religion. Religion says if you fulfill these requirements, you're right with God. But you don't ever have to deal with your sin issues. That's not what God wants. And here's the reason that I'm talking about it's a wrong replacement for relationships. Here's what people do. I'm going to attend church every so often, but I'm not going to get too close because then people will know me and I'll have to change. I'm going to attend, I'll, I'll attend church some, but I'm not going to one of those small groups. Because <laughs> they're going to say, what, what are you dealing with? And I'll have to talk about it and then I might have to change. See, Listen to me. I'm not trying to offend you if you came from a certain religious background, because I came from a certain religious background too. But listen to me. There's no power in praying to a statue. There's no power in holding beads in your hand when you pray. 
There's no power in reciting prayers. There's power in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him only. Him only. There's power in having a relationship with God and a relationship with God's people. But there's no power in religion. And I'm telling you, people substitute religion for relationships. You know, I'll come some and I'll do what I want to do, but don't, don't get close to me. I'm just going, you know, and I'm, I'm going to, uh, I, I may get you, I may get in a little trouble, but I'm going to put a fish on the back of my car. And I'm going to put a gold chain, a gold cross on my neck and unbutton my shirt. And that's being a Christian. That's not being a Christian if God hadn't changed your heart. And I don't mind if you have a fish on the back of your car, as long as you don't speed. <laughs> Was that a fish? It's kind of blurry. <laughs> God does not have a problem dealing with sin. He has a problem dealing with people who won't be honest about sin. And that's what religion does. All right, here's the fifth one and the last one. Busyness. This is going to get all of us. Number one enemy to develop relationship with God and with God's people. Pastor, you, you just don't understand. You, don't, you, you have no clue how many kids' activities we have, the ball games, the sports things my kids are involved in, the work, the business, the things we have to do. You just, you just don't understand. I do understand. I understand. Now, I want you to think about this. What's important? I want you to think about this. What are you training your children? Now, I'm not against kids' activities. All of our kids did different sports and things. But there's a time you've got to draw a limit because God's Word and God's house are more important. And it is amazing to me how busy we've become in this society, in this culture. And we don't have time to be active in the church. We don't have time for that, to, to, to develop godly relationships. We've got too many activities. You, you don't think someone's trying to keep you so busy you can't serve God? And think about this. You get to heaven and you think, man, we played all the sports and did all the activities, but we never won a soul to Jesus. We wasted our entire life on earth. That's what a lot of people are going to realize. I was so busy. We can't be so busy. You remember uh, uh, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house? Martha had the gift of serving. Mary had the gift of sitting. You know anyone with the gift of sitting? <laughs> They'll sit while you take the dishes off the table. They'll sit while you're cleaning the coffee table and tell you you missed a spot. <laughs> it's funny how some of you are looking at your spouse right now. <laughs> Listen, we should all serve. We should all serve. But I want you to remember what Jesus said at that point. Martha's running around all concerned about everybody getting served and taken care of. Here, and let me paraphrase what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Now, I want you to think about this. Let the gravity of this sink in. Here's what Jesus said. Martha, you have the Son of God in your house. And you're worried about the dishes. This is incredible. You're missing it. How, how long am I going to be sitting on your couch? I'm only going to be here a little while. And you're concerned about all these other things. Okay, how many times in the morning do we have 10 or 15 minutes before we go to work? And Jesus is saying, Jim, Bill, Mary, 
You have the Son of God sitting here wanting to talk to you. And you're opening your email. What What are you doing? We, refuge is found in relationship. And that relationship is with God and with God's people. Listen, if you have relationship with God and God's people, you might live in a small house and eat bologna sandwiches, but you are rich. Amen. You're rich. And you can live in a big house and drive a nice car, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can live in a big old house and not have a relationship with God and not have a relationship with God's people, and you know deep down you are not happy. Because we were built, we were designed, we were created for relationship with God and relationship with God's people. Now here's the last thing I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be honest even though you're in church. Okay? Have you ever had this thought? I wish the Bible was simple. I just wish God would have made it simple. Okay, listen to me. He did. Because here's what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And here's what Jesus said. On these two commands hang the whole law and the prophets. Here's another way to say that. The whole Bible is summed up in relationship with God and relationship with God's people. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes.